Check. Check. First live taping. Let go and let God. An audience of one. And uh, a background of outdoor sounds, undisclosed rural location. Picking up Kings at chapter 15. Uh, we'll finish one Kings and then start two Kings. But we likely won't get very far into two Kings. In the 18th year of the reign of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, Abijah became king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem three years. His mother's name was Makkah, daughter of uh, Abishalom. He committed all the sins his father had done before him, of course. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God, and the heart of David, as the heart of David his forefather had been. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by raising up a son to succeed him and by making Jerusalem strong. For David had done what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not failed to keep any of the Lord's commandments all the days of his life, except in the case of Uriah the Hittite. There was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam throughout Abijah's lifetime. As for the other events of Abijah's reign and all he did, are they not written in the book of the Annals of the Kings of Judah? Uh, this there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam, and Abijah rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And Asia Asa, Asia is a stilly din record, his son succeeded him as king. In the twentieth year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, uh, Azah became king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem forty-one years. His grandmother's name was Phicah, daughter of Abishalom. Uh, Azah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as his father David had done. He expelled the male shrine prostitutes from the land and got rid of all the idols his fathers had made. He even dropped his grandmother Makkah from her position as queen mother because she had made a repulsive Asherah pole. Stupid. Asa cut down the pole, uh, cut the pole down and burn it in the Kidron Valley. Although he did not remove the high places, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. He brought into the temple of the Lord the silver and gold and the articles that he and his father had dedicated. There was war between Asa and Basha, king of Israel, throughout their reigns. Basha, king of Israel, went against Judah, went up against Judah, and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. Asa then took all the silver and gold that was left in the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of his own palace. He entrusted it to his officials and sent them to Ben-Hadad, son of Tabrim, Tabrimam, Tabrimon, the, uh, the son of Hezion, the king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus. Let there be a treaty between me and you, he said, as there was between my father and your father. See, I am sending you a gift of silver and gold. Now break your treaty with Basha, uh, yeah, king of Israel, so he will withdraw from me. 
Ben-Hadad agreed with King Asa and sent the commanders of his forces against the town of Israel, towns of Israel. He conquered Aijan, Don, Abel, Beth, Makkah, and all Kinnereth uh, in addition to Naphtali. When Bashar heard this, he stopped building Ramah and withdrew to Tirzah. Uh, then King Asa ordered, uh, issued an order to all Judah. No one, no one was exempt, and they carried away from Ramah the stones and timber Bashar had been using there. With them, King Asa built up Geba and Benjamin and also Mizpah. As for all the other events of uh, Asa's reign, all his achievements, all he did in the cities he built, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Judah? I keep asking that, but I don't know the answer to this question. I assume somewhere. But you tell me. In his old age, however, his feet became diseased. Then Asa rested with his fathers and was buried with them in the city of his father David, and Jehoshaphat, his son, succeeded him as king. Nadab, son of Jeroboam, became king of Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah, and he reigned over Israel two years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, walking in the ways of his father and in his sin, which he had caused Israel to commit. Bashah, son of Ahijah of the house of Issachar, plotted against him, and he struck him down at Gibbethon, a Philistine town, while Nadab and all Israel were besieging it. Bashah killed Nadab in the third year of Asa, king of Judah, and succeeded him as king. As soon as he became to reign, he killed Jeroboam's whole family. He did not uh, did not leave Jeroboam anyone that breathed, but destroyed them all according to the word of the Lord giving, uh, given through his servant Aisha the Shilonite. Because of the sins Jeroboam had committed and had caused Israel to commit, and because he provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger. As for the other uh, events of Nadab's reign and all he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Israel? There was war between Asa and Basha, king of Israel, throughout their reigns. In the third year of Asa, king of Judah, Basha, son of Ahijah, became king of all Israel in Tirzah, and he reigned twenty-four years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, walking in the ways of Jeroboam and in his sin, which he had caused Israel to commit. Then the word of the Lord came to Jehu, son of Hanai, against Bashah. I lifted you up from the dust and made you leader of my people Israel. But you walked in the ways of Jeroboam and caused my people Israel to sin and to provoke me to anger by their sins. So I am about to consume Bashah and his house, and I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Dogs will eat those uh, belonging to Bashah who die in the city, and the birds of the air will feed on those who die in the country. As for the other events of Bashah's reign, what he did in his achievements, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Israel? Bashah rested with his fathers and was uh, buried in Tirzah, and Elah, his son, succeeded him as king. Moreover, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Jehu, son of Hanai, to Bashah and his house, because all the evil he had done in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger by the things he did, and becoming like the house of Jeroboam, and also because he destroyed it. In the twenty-sixth year of Asa, king of Judah, Elah, son of Bashah, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Tirzah two years. Zimri, one of his officials, who had command of half his chariots, plotted against him.
Ella was in Tirzah at the time, getting drunk in the home of Arza, the man in charge of the palace at Tirzah. Simri came in, struck him down, and killed him in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah. Then he succeeded him as king. As soon as he began to reign and was seated on the throne, he killed off Bashaz, uh, uh, Bashaz's whole family. He did not spare a single male, whether relative or friend. So Zimri destroyed the whole family of Basha in accordance with the word of the Lord. <laughs> in accordance with the Lord of the law. What? In accordance with the word of the law, the Lord. Let's see if I can find my place again. In accordance with the word of the Lord spoken against Basha to the prophet Jehu. Because of all the sins Bashah and his son Elah had committed and had caused Israel to commit, so that they provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger by their worthless idols. As for the other events of Elah's reign and all he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Israel? I think that's this. I think that's what I'm reading. And that is one kings and two kings. We cracked the code. In the twenty-seventh year of Asa, king of Judah, Zimri reigned in tears of seven days. The army was encamped near uh, Gibbethon, a Philistine town. When the Israelites in the camp heard that Zimri had plotted against the king and murdered him, they proclaimed Omri, the commander of the army, king over Israel that very day there in the camp. Then Omri, Omri and all the Israelites with him uh, withdrew from Gibbethon and laid siege to Tirzah. When Zimri saw that the city was taken, he went into the citadel of the royal palace and set the palace on fire around him. So he died because of the sins he had committed, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord and walking in the ways of Jeroboam, and in the sin he had committed and caused Israel to commit. As for the other events of Zimri's reign and the rebellion he carried out, carried out are they not written in the book of the Annals of the Kings of Israel? Then the people of Israel were split into two factions. Half supported Tibni, son of Ginnath, for king, and the other half supported Omri. But Omri's followers proved stronger than those of Tibni, son of Ginnath. So Tibni died and Omri became king. In the 31st year of Asa, king of Judah, Omri became king of Israel, and he reigned 12 years, six of them in Tirzah. He brought the hill of Samaria from Shemer for two talents of silver and built a city on the hill calling it Samaria, after Shemer, the name of the former owner of the hill. But Omri did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and sinned more than all those before him. He walked in all the ways of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and in his sin, which he had caused Israel to commit, so that they provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger by their worthless idols. And for other, and for the other events of Omri's reign, what he did and the things he achieved, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Israel? Uh, Omri rested with his fathers and was buried in Samaria and Ahab his son succeeded him as king in the 38th year of uh, Asa king of Judah Ahab son of Omri became king of Israel and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years Ahab son of Omri did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him he not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. 
He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all the kings of Israel before him. In Ahab's time, Hiel of Bethel built Jer- uh, rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of his firstborn son, his firstborn son Abiram, and he set up its gates at the cots of his youngest son Sigub, in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua son of Nun. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elisha, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bear brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land then the word of the lord came to him go at once to Zarephath of sidon and stay there i've commanded a widow in that place to supply with you supply you with food so went to Zarephath. Uh, so he went to Zerfath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And please me, uh, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son. That way, that we may eat it and die. Okay. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Okay. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but make a small cake of bread for me, from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. Uh, For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought tragedy also upon this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. 
It's not enough. It's not enough. Oil and flour. Unlimited oil and flour, and it's not enough. You have to kill a son and bring him back to life. After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elisha, Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain down the land. So Elisha went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of his palace. Obadiah was a devout, was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, fifty in each, and had supplied them with food and water. Ahab had said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive, so we will not have to kill any of our animals. So they divided the land they were to cover, Ahab going in one direction and Obadiah in another. As Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him, bowed down to the ground, and said, Is it really you, my lord Elijah? Yes, he replied. Go tell your master, Elijah is here. Uh, what have I done wrong? asked Obadiah. That you are handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death. As surely as the Lord your God lives, there is not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not there, he made them swear they could not find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. I don't know where the spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. If I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. Yet I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since my youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I had a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, fifty in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here, he will kill me. Elijah said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the balls. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel, and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is good, follow him. But if Baal is God, oh, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut into pieces, cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, and since there are so many of you, since there are so many of you, 
Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bowl, took the bowl given to them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. O Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response, no one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water, and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. The water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal, don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered them there. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat, and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, Hitch up your chariots, uh, chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Jezreel. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Now Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. So when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. 
He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the Lord and the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael... Hazael king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha son of Shabbat from Abel Mahalah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death anyone who, any who escaped the sword of uh, Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel. All whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. Oh, Shaphat, not Shabbat. I think it's Shabbat. No, it's not Shabbat anymore. Jehu will put to death. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Now Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mustered his entire army. Accompanied by thirty-two kings with their horses and chariots, he went up and besieged Samaria and attacked it. He sent messengers into the city uh, to Ahab, king of Israel, saying, This is what Ben-Hadad says, Your silver and gold are mine, and the best of your wives and children are mine. 
The king of Israel answered, Just as you say, my lord the king, I and all I have I and all I have are yours. The messengers came again and said, This is what Ben Hadad says. I sent to demand your silver and gold to your wives and your children, but about this time tomorrow I'm going to send my officials to search your palace and the houses of your officials. They will seize everything you value and carry it away. The king of Israel summoned all the elders of the land and said to them, See how this man is looking for trouble. When he sent for my wives and my children, my silver and my gold, I did not refuse him. The elders and the people all answered, Don't listen to him or agree to his demands. So he replied to Ben-Hadad's messengers, Tell my lord the king, your servant, your servant will do all you demanded the first time, but this demand I cannot meet. They left and took the answer back to Ben-Hadad. Then Ben-Hadad sent another message to Ahab, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if enough dust remains in Samaria to give each of my men a handful. The king of Israel answered, Tell him, one who puts on his armor should not boast like one who takes it off. Ben-Hadad heard this message while he and the king were drinking in their tents, and he ordered the men, prepare to attack. So they prepared to attack the city. Meanwhile, a prophet came to Ahab, king of Israel, and announced, This is what the Lord says. Do you see this vast army? I will give it into your hand today, and then you will know that I am the Lord. But who will do this, said Ahab. The prophet replied, This is what the Lord says. The young officers of the provincial commands will do it. And who will start the battle, he asked. The prophet answered, You will. So Ahab summoned the young officers of the provincial commanders, 232 men. Then he assembled the rest of the Israelites, 7,000 in all. They set out at noon while Ben-Hadad and the 32 kings allied with him were in their tents getting drunk. The young officers of the provincial commanders went out first. Now Ben-Hadad had dispatched scouts, who reported, Men are advancing from Samaria. He said, if they have come out for peace, take them alive. If they have come out for war, take them alive. The young officers of the provincial commanders marched out of the city with the army behind them, and each one struck down his opponent. At that, the Aramaeans fled with the Israelites in pursuit. But Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, escaped on horseback with some of his horsemen. The king of Israel advanced and overpowered the horses and chariots and inflicted heavy losses on the Aramaeans. Afterwards... Uh, afterward, the prophet came to the king of Israel and said, Strengthen your position and see what must be done, because next spring the king of Aram will attack you again. Meanwhile, the, uh, the officials of the king of Aram advised him, Their gods are gods of the hills. That is why they were too strong for us. But if we fight them on the plains, surely we will be stronger than they. Do this. Remove all the kings from their commands and replace them with other officers. You must also raise an army like the one you lost, horse for horse and chariot for a chariot, so we can fight Israel on the plains. Then surely will you be stronger than they. He agreed with them and acted accordingly. The next spring, Ben-Hadad mustered the Aramaeans and went to Afek to fight against Israel. When the Israelites were also mustered and given provisions, they marched out to meet them. The Israelites camped opposite them like two small flocks of goats, while the Aramaeans covered the countryside. The man of God came up and told the king of Israel, This is what the Lord says. 
Because the Arameans think the Lord is a God of the hills and not a God of the valleys, I will deliver this vast army into your hands. You will know that I am the Lord. For seven days they camped opposite each other, and on the seventh day the battle was joined. The Israelites inflicted a hundred thousand casualties on the Aramean foot soldiers in one day. The rest of them escaped to the city of Ephek, where the wall collapsed on twenty thousand of them. Ben-Hadad fled to the city and hid in an inner room. His official said to him, Look, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful. Let us go to the king of Israel with sackcloth around our waists and ropes around our heads. Perhaps he will spare your life. Wearing sackcloth around their waists and ropes around their heads, they went to the king of Israel and said, Your servant Ben-Hadad says, Please let me live. The king answered, Is he still alive? He is my brother. The men took this as a good sign and were quick to pick up his word. Yes, your brother Ben-Hadad, they said. Go and get them, the king said. When Ben-Hadad came out, Ahab had come up into his chariot. I will return the cities of my father. I will return the cities my father took from your father, Ben-Hadad offered. You may set up your own market areas in Damascus as my father did in Samaria. Ahab said, On the basis of a treaty, I will set you free. So he made a treaty with him and let him go. By the word of the Lord, one of the sons of the prophet said to his companion, Strike me with your weapon, but the man refused. So the prophet said, Because you have not obeyed the Lord, as soon as you leave me, a lion will kill you. And after the man went away, a lion found him and killed him. The prophet, <laughs> the prophet found another man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going in now. Okay. The prophet found another man and said, Strike me, please. So the man struck him and wounded him, and the prophet went and stood by the road waiting for the king. He disguised himself with his headband down over his eyes. As the king passed by, the prophet called out to him, Your servant went into the thick of battle, and someone came to me with a captive and said, Guard this man. He is missing. If he is missing, it will be your life for his life. And you must pay a talent of silver. While your servant was busy here and there, the man disappeared. This is your sentence, the king of Israel said. You have pronounced it yourself. Then the prophet quickly removed the headband from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. He said to the king, This is what the Lord says. You have set, a man, you have set free a man I determined should die. Therefore, it is your life for his life, your people for his people. Sullen and angry, the king of Israel went to his palace in Samaria. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, Let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden, since it is close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, uh, vineyard, or if you prefer, 
I will pay you whatever it is worth. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I give you the inheritance of my father. So Ahab went home sullen and angry because uh, uh, Naboth the Jezreelite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my father. He lay on his bed sulking and refused to eat. His wife Jezebel came in and asked him, Why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? He answered her, Because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, Sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel his wife said, Is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat. Cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote both letters in Ahab's name, placed his seal on them, and sent them to the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city with him. And those letters she wrote, Proclaim a day of fasting, and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people. But see two scoundrels opposite him, and have them testify that he has cursed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. So the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city did as Jezebel directed in the letter she had written to them. They proclaimed a fast, uh, and seated Naboth in a prominent place among the people. Then two scoundrels came and sat opposite him, and brought charges against Naboth before the people, saying, Naboth has cursed both God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death. Then they sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, Get up and take possession of the valley of Naboth, the Jezreelite, that he refused to sell you. He is no longer alive, but dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up and went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, Go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, okay, two of those sentences where I repeat. One of these sentences was my mistake. Oh no, actually no. <laughs> no, I just, okay, it's fine. <laughs> Say to him, this is what the Lord says. Have you not married a man, uh, murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood, yes, yours. Ahab said to Elijah, so you have found me, my enemy. I have found you, he answered, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. I am going to bring disaster on you. I will consume your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and that of Basha, son of Aijah, because you have provoked me to anger and have caused Israel to sin. And also concerning Jezebel, the Lord says, Dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs will eat those who belong, belonging to Ahab who die in the city, and the birds of the air will feed on those who die in the country. There was never a man like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols, like the Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and fasted. 
He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day, but I will bring it on his house in the days, in the days of his son. I would also like to say that I am surprised that Elijah's shit-talking a few chapters ago actually paid off. Like heckling some worshippers of another god to heckle louder or to 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 worship louder like normally that kind of stuff doesn't pay off but so far so good for elijah for three years there was no war between aram and israel but in the third year king jehoshaphat king of judah went down to see the king of israel the king of israel said to his officials don't you know that ramoth gilead belongs to us and yet we are doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram. So he asked Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight against Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, First seek counsel of the Lord. So the king of Israel brought together prophets, about four hundred men, and asked them, uh, shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hands. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there not a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? The king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, There is still one man through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. The king should not say that, Jehoshaphat replied. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, Bring Micaiah, uh, son of Imlah, at once. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria, with all the prophets prophesying before them. Now Zedekiah, son of Kinana, had made iron horns, and he declared, This is what the Lord says, With these you will gore the Aramaeans until they are destroyed. All the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, uh, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, Look at one man, the other prophets are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. When he arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I remain? Attack and be victorious, he answered. The Lord will give it into the king's hands. The king said to him, How many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Then Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd, and the Lord said, These people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Didn't I tell you that he never prophesies anything good about me, but only bad? Micaiah continued, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the host of heaven standing around him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab into attacking Ramoth Gilead 
and going to his death there. One suggested this and another that. Finally, a spirit came forward, stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. By what means? The Lord asked. I will go out and uh, be lying spirit be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. You will succeed in enticing him, said the Lord. Go and do it. So now the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all the prophets of yours. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. Then uh, Zedekiah, son of Kinana, uh, Kinana, went up and slapped Micaiah in his face. Which way did the spirit for the Lord go when he went from me to speak to you? Micaiah replied, You will find out on the day you go to hide in an inner room. The king of Israel then ordered, Take Micaiah and send him back to Ammon, the ruler of the city, and to Joash, 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 the king's son, and say, this is what the king says. Put this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I safely return. Micaiah declared, If you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added, Mark my words, all you people. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will enter the battle in disguise. In disguise. But you wear your royal robe. So the king of Israel described him, uh, disguised himself and went into battle. Now, now the king of Aram had ordered his 32 chariot commanders. Do not fight with anyone, small or great, except the king of Israel. When the chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat, they thought, Surely that this is the king of Israel. So they turned to attack him. But when Jehoshaphat cried out, the chariot commander saw this was not the king of Israel and stopped pursuing him. But someone drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the sections of his armor. The king told his chariot driver, Wheel around and get me out of the fighting. I've been wounded. All day long the battle raged and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Arameans. The blood from his wound went, uh, ran onto the floor of a chariot and that evening he died. As the sun was setting, a cry spread through the army. Every man to his town, everyone to his land. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried him there. They washed the chariot at a pool in Samaria where the prostitutes bathed, and the dogs licked up his blood as the word of the Lord had declared. As for the other events of Ahab's reign, including all he did, the palace he built and inlaid with ivory, and the cities he fortified, are they not written in the book of Annals of the kings of Israel? Ahab rested with his fathers, and Ahaziah his son succeeded him as king. Jehoshaphat, son of Asa, became king of Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was thirty-five years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem twenty-five years. His mother's name was Azuba, daughter of Shil uh, Shilhi. In everything he walked in the ways of the of his father Asa and did not stray from them. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. The high places, however, were not removed, and the people continued to offer sacrifices and burn incense there. Jehoshaphat was also at peace with the king of Israel. As for the other events of Jehoshaphat's reign, the things he received in his military exploits, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Judah? 
and rid the land of the rest of the male shrine prostitutes who remained there, even after the reign of his father Asa. Uh, then there was no king in Edom, a deputy ruled. Now Jehoshaphat built a fleet of trading ships to go to Ophir for gold, but they never set sail. They were wrecked at Ez, uh, Ezion Geber. And at that time Ahaziah, son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, Let my men sail with your men. But Jehoshaphat refused. Then Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with them in the city of David, his father. And Jehoram, his son, succeeded him. Ahaziah, son of Ahab, became king of Israel in Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned over Israel two years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord because he walked in the ways of his father and mother and in the ways of uh, Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who caused Israel to sin. He served and worshipped Baal and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger, just as his father had done. I think since it's, I've been recording for 50 minutes, which means I'll cut it down to 45, um, that brings us to the end of One Kings. So instead of reading like two chapters, uh, we'll just start from the beginning. Uh, let go and let God, yeah?